Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United podcast. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, joined with my regular co-host, Axel Conor-Wigan. We haven't recorded since before the World Cup, a lot has happened since then. Um, first of all, mate, how was your Christmas, New Year's, all that? First of all, mate, is that a, is that a leather jacket? <laughs> You're on the right leg, Danny Zuko. It's Danny Zuko himself. The, Considering your your moustache the last time we recorded, mate, you saw you 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 you're loving hangers from a Wendy house, mate. Don't disrespect, <laughs> Alex. Do you know what? The the birds in America loved it for some reason, so that's why I continued with it. But back mm. home now, so I had I had the tell more lies than Tinder profile. No, but it's it's good that we've actually got a bit of a better atmosphere on here now. I used to come on here and couldn't get wait to get laid into you. Honestly, it was like that for a while. Wasn't well, it? well, uh, what's changed? Because you just started out there, slaughter me. just started. Nah, but good Christmas. Good Christmas for yourself. An insult from you about fashion is a compliment. Um, I met the good yeah. Christmas was up in Big Bear. I froze my bollocks off. It was great. But um, enjoyed uh, United, of course, right before the World Cup Garnacho scores. You're, you're sitting there and you're going, don't lose momentum. And there's an old cliche in football World Cup hangover. Since United have resumed since the World Cup, I haven't conceded a goal of one every single game. Um... It's united your learning trust, and this is this feels amazing. It does, and it, it feels like a new lease of life or something with United at the moment. And I mean, even tonight's game, like that's a game that over the last couple of years we throw points away there, getting the job done in easy fashion like we did. A good performance, very little negatives to come out of that game. It's looking positive, and I'm telling you now, we're in a good position right now. We're in a good place, a good position. There's a good feel-good factor about the squad. There's a feel-good factor about the fans. Everything's coming together, like especially with this whole Glazer thing. And we will touch on that mm. down the line. And you've, I'm sure, plenty of information on that because I know people are very interested. But um, with with that at the moment, like it seems as if this is a new lease of life as a United fan. Listen, we've been in moments before where United have looked good. You know, the uh, under Solskjaer, they were sitting in second. Um, you know, on Mourinho, there was moments during Mourinho's tenure where it looked good. But this, this feels different because even when United were playing well under Solskjaer, you felt it was about one dimensional. It was based on counter-attack. It was based on uh, moments. You know, you, we, we were forever, forever littered with this false possession nonsense, right? Um but this doesn't feel like that. This feels like a United that can control games, that adjust tempo when they need to, that it's built on solid foundations, a, a team that has adjustments. And you heard Rashford say something a while ago, saying he was in a different headspace. This whole football club's in a different headspace, everyone. Um, and the irony is, it's the first time in a long time we've had chaos off the field, but we're getting it right on the field. What Ten Hag has done, I mean, when you we think about how well the editor are playing, it's not the only metric with which you judge him by. You take a look at every decision that he's got right. He got the Ronaldo decision perfect. The way he responded to Brentford set the tone for what we're seeing now. right? Not just in terms of the signings, but that doing the run with the players got their instant respect. And since Brentford, what is that, 17 wins in 22 games? That's more points than Guardiola. That is absolutely unbelievable. I think it's testament that Ten Hag and his squad... Um, at the moment with everything going on because like you, you look at, at that team and we'll go back to the Ronaldo situation where Ronaldo had a, a bit of a like, what's what's the word to use he had a bit of a, st- a stronghold over the team in a sense and Ten Hag's just completely 
torn that out. This is a side built on Ten Hag and built on how Ten Hag thinks we should play football and how we play football best. And the best thing about it is everyone's buying into it now. And you look you look at that squad and there's very little players you look at and you think he's not giving 100% because everyone's playing for the badge. Everyone's playing to stay in the team. Mm-hmm. And he showed with Riceford the other day, stupid things, missing a, a meeting. And Luke Shaw, there was an interview after it. I don't know if you've seen it in America, but Luke Shaw said that's been the problem in previous years. He said that there wasn't that mm-hmm. accountability in the squad before. And I don't know if that's a go at the other managers, at players, at what. But now we've got it. This is looking good. This is the best we've looked since Sir Alex Ferguson. I think um, United in the past have found it difficult to be to consistently apply discipline, which partly a part of that has been been undermined from above because United have prioritised players' commercial value, which has made it difficult to discipline them in the past. Um, y- there's been special rules created for special people. I mean, the football club had to customise itself for Cristiano Ronaldo because it was commercial value we was treated completely differently and it's okay to treat people differently in my opinion like I think that that is it's very hard when you have 22 players in the dressing room you can't treat 22 players the same because they're not exactly the same but you have to consistently apply disciplinary measures the same like Cantona was treated differently right uh, because he was different there's always been players that have been treated differently Wayne Rooney was treated differently for a period um, but that's all based on your, their return, and so, and and it's totally for totally different reasons. It's not because they're being coddled because they have value that transcends their value on the pitch. Now all of a sudden, there's very direct cause and effect for when you step out of line at United, you are going to be disciplined whether you're Cristiano Ronaldo, whether you're Marcus Rashford, or whoever you are, and one of the things that I think you have to respect Ten Hag for is he gives players the opportunity to fail. Right, Ronaldo was given the captaincy, what a, a two weeks before he done that interview. Right, Harry Maguire was given the captaincy, was dropped two games after the, after that, it, it, and he said to Maguire, "It's yours to lose," and he showed, and don't, I'm not going to put the burden on Maguire. Maguire showed that he wasn't good enough to do what Ten Hag wanted to do. Ten Hag gave him the opportunity to prove. Ten Hag knows exactly what he is. You and I know exactly what he is. Right, what he's good at, what he's not good at, what what team he can play well in, and I think like Maguire would be good in Everton or something where they sit deep on the edge of their box. Teams that play high lines, Maguire's not the best at that. Uh, he had a good World Cup, which I think is great, and I, I think that a lot of the abuse that's been levelled at him um, has gone over the top, uh, which is good to see United fans supporting him. But once again, Ten Hag perfectly man manages the situation. And when you look at so many of these players, come they're playing the best football of their career. Fred's playing the best football he's ever played at United. Dallow's playing the best football he's ever played at United. You know, uh, you, even Juan Bissaka came in, um, having not played since Liverpool, and, and, and had a couple of really good games, uh, playing for his future, because this is United that players want to stay at now, not want to leave. You know what, as well, though, the decisions above Ten Hag have also been great. Like, the signing of Casemiro, that's our best signing in Years of mm-hmm. I I can't think of a better signing than Casemiro in the past ten years. I can't. I, I really can't think of it. I mean, the guy just oozes class. He has everything that we need. I'm I'm when we needed it as well. I mean, the appointment of Ten Hag, they got it right with that. So again, and that was something at the time. I wasn't too sure about Ten Hag. I think me and you were going back and forward on Potts or Ten Hag and and whatever. They got that right. So you have to give credit where it's due. They did. They got that right. They got it. They got it right with Casemiro. Whoever's making these decisions. And I mean, 
again, there's plenty more decisions that we need to see. We need to see a striker in January. I think, obviously, with Anthony out now, I don't know how long he's going to be out for as well. We need another attacking player. I think that's a definite. Do we get one? I don't know because, again, with this whole takeover talk, is it going to be someone in on loan? Is it going to be someone short-term? I wouldn't mind someone short-term for six months just to give us the cover because we could win a trophy this season. It's not out of the realms of possibility. I want want to think about something for a second. As what we've known, obviously, being revealed in the the accounts and what have you, this really was the last floor of the dice Phoenix with Ten Hag. Because if Ten Hag didn't get these signings right over the summer, you never don't no longer have the money to fix that. They couldn't afford to get it wrong, and he has come in and not just revitalised the football club, but really saved the football club in a lot of ways. Because imagine you're sitting here in January and you're saying you need three or four players, right, uh, just to get close to the top four. We're sitting saying we need one, a striker. That's unbelievable. That in the space of six months. He performed an exorcism on his football club, as I was saying, that took this United team from a team that you loathed, a team that was surrendering in games. It's not just what he's got right on the pitch, it's what he's got right off the pitch. This is a guy that when he came in, his accent was mocked, his body language was mocked, his clothes was mocked, his accent was mocked, right? His language. Oh, this is an individual that walked into a job that... You know, a match is needed that, as Ranić was saying, conceded goals that nobody else conceded in the Premier League. A United where their set-piece coach was routinely ridiculed. None of these things exist anymore. And I'm talking about an exceptionally well-coached Manchester United. We saw the, the goal from a corner with Rashford putting the top man at... Was that... Was that uh, who, who was that against? Was that... Uh, wasn't Burnley, was it? Um, I it's can't been, remember. It's been that many weeks uh, 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 I've taken that money drugs, my brain doesn't work. <laughs> so I used to, but um, so you to at least but, you've got the excuse. But um, but anyway, you, you're watching the United team that can control tempo in games, that can change games. They have individuals that you you know you take a look at that midfield. It's just just Casemiro as brilliant as he is, Christian Eriksen. I mean, Jesus Christ, what a privilege! That first goal. The ball is perfect. The control, the everything is about it is magnificent. Um, and the the third goal, brilliant. Second goal, brilliant. I mean, but the thing is, it's like you normally look at teams like this, right? And you normally have a few things you can nitpick, and you can say, "Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. We should change this." The only thing I can think in my head that we need is a striker. That's it. There's nothing else bad about this team. We've got we're firing on all cylinders. There's players who didn't look like players that are now looking like players. There's players coming out of their shell now. There's Granacho who looks like he could be a special talent if he's, you know, groomed in the right way by Ten Hag, which it looks like he will be. And in terms of what Ten Hag's bringing, like, we look at him taking over the reserve team. That's that's something mm, to me that excites that. me because with, with, with United in previous years, we lost that. Yes, yes, there was managers like Ole who was trying to bring in youth, but he wasn't doing it the right way, truthfully, if we look at it. This is a guy who's been in that system at Ajax, who's worked through a system, who's got to a point where he has made it for himself to go and get the United job, and now he's bringing all of his ideas to United. It's unbelievable, mate. Absolutely incredible. And I think when you... I remember Van Hal's first press conference, and at Natalie, whenever, at that time, Van Hal was considered someone that promoted youth, and he was asked about whether he was going to take charge of the academy and what have you, and he said no, which I thought was a mistake. Um, a mistake that Ten Hag, and I genuinely believe he's consulted with Van Hal quite a bit on a lot of the problems 
that you needed. Um, and I don't think it's a repudiation of the people beneath him, but there has to be at United a functioning under-23 team littered with players that are capable of playing in the first team if you're not going to send the top players in the world. You have to. Um, United have only recently started to do that, um, which is why we have Garnacho, right? Uh, Garnacho is a result of United's renewed focus, which John Murdoch deserves credit for, on their youth team and going out and bringing in players from around the world that uh, are capable of playing in the first team, not just something that is something that's used for marketing where you have these young academy players that come in they they, they never we haven't seen a young academy player come in like Garnacho in my opinion um, and have an impact probably since Riceford so um, yeah Mason Greenwood Jesus and I mean when we look at the forward line we talk about United in the strike in the last year they've lost Ronaldo Cavani and Greenwood they have to do something in my opinion in Has January and I'm not really fussed about what's going on at other football clubs. I know Chelsea and all are spending a lot of money. But to me, I know people say that Graham Potter was the wrong choice, but I think Chelsea was the wrong choice for Graham Potter. Yeah, um, I agree, definitely. Uh, more than um, you know, Graham Potter being the wrong pro- choice for Chelsea. I think he chose wrong because that's a really difficult football club to manage. I doubt Graham Potter has charge over recruitment at that football club. Uh Ten Hag has made sure every problem that previously existed at this football club wasn't tolerated under his management. And I'll tell you something, if Conte was doing this at Spurs and the reverse was happening, we'd be reminded every single week about, and I'm not now Antonio Conte, because uh, I think he's a brilliant manager, but we'd be reminded every single week of the fact that United fucked up again by not appointing Eric Ten Hag, by not appointing um, you know, Eric Ten Hag instead of Conte. Eric Ten Hag is, is, is perfect for Manchester United and what they needed. And can you imagine this guy under, under, under owners that actually invest in the football club? I mean, even the way he handled yeah, Sancho, even the way he handled the Sancho situation, just absolutely yeah. perfect. And I believe this Manchester United team is perfect. If, if you're struggling mentally, which I believe, you know, or which may be the situation with Jadon Sancho, I don't believe it's about ability. This is a, a United team that can bring the best out of you emotionally. It's a totally different environment than what they've had before. There's really, for, for United, this, this is a team that players want to be a part of, not want to leave. I think... I want to go back to your points first of all before I forget about it on this striker situation because I want to hear what, what you think in terms of who do we get. Do we get someone that's going to be a six-month stopgap? And I mean, I've seen Giroud touted today. People have said about Olivier Giroud. I think he fits the bill perfectly. Someone like Olivier Giroud fits the bill perfectly. Six months, mm. we need that type of striker. We need that different option. If it's going to be off the bench, if it's going to be starting every week, we need something different up there. He brings it short-term deal and then let's let's look at it again whenever we do have new owners hopefully in place by the summer i think that that's the the smartest way to go about he, it here's the difficulty with your room my opinion <clears throat> and anyone else you're not getting them on loan for six months right we either send them and give them a contract which will extend it the next season or they don't think he's going to come for six months or you don't you don't get him i think what's more likely in my opinion, is if Barcelona were to allow Memphis to pay leave on a free, his contract's up in six months, they need to cut the wage bill, then I could see that happening. I agree with you that I think Jury would be perfect, right? Um, but is the pay not much of the same of what we have, really? No, I agree. I, 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 but he, here's my view on a come. Whatever Eric Ten Hag wants, give him. 
because no, Man- no, no, I hundred percent. You know, so if Ten Hag sees Memphis Depay as a central solution, whether I do or not, they're relevant. You know, because every single time he's saying the player, you know, I know people are going to debate the Anthony play situation, but uh, I'm going to have some mitigating facts for for um, Anthony. I think people are a bit unfair at times, uh, but uh, I think. For the most part, he's. I mean, those signings have completely revitalised the football club. In many ways, missing out on De Jong, it would be hard for me to believe that Frankie De Jong would have been better than Casemiro. Uh, no, uh, absolutely not. I mean, Casemiro was the perfect signing. And I think at the time, you referred to it, and rightfully so at the time, as a bit of a, a panic buy. That, that's what it seemed like. No, 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 don't go with my mouth there, because what, no, what, what, what I, I think you did no, no, say that. No, I didn't say that. If you're going to quote me, you have to quote me correctly. It wasn't Go. a panic back. List. What I turned around and said was it was clearly a consequence of what happened to Brantford. Right? So clearly United panicked after Brantford and changed their focus from a Rabio. It was obvious that Casemiro was a much better player. I mean, we don't remember, Cam, at that Everton game, we had played fans criticizing Casemiro saying he was shit. Go uh, back on Twitter and look. Right? Yeah. He was, now he had a different game that day. He set up a goal, but we'll, you know, give a ball away. We, there's Carasimiro, he's shade, you know, overrated all this nonsense, right? Because people don't understand the difference, not everyone, but some people don't understand the difference between a bad player and a bad game. And because of social media amplifying everything into, you know, clickbait nonsense, everything has to be the GOAT today. Everything has to be the best ever, the best ever defender, the best ever in the world. There can't just be average commentary about people because of social media because everything's designed for attention. So um, people make their mind up so quickly about players, good, bad or indifferent. So with Casemiro, it was blatantly obvious he was much better than what United had. It was blatantly obvious he was a much better signing than Rabiot. Um, you know, Based like, on that, that, and obviously... What you're saying in terms of making the right decisions, Ten Hag, and, and these signings. What's your best eleven right now at United? If everyone's fit next week, uh, City's I, next I, week, I so think, it's a perfect I, I game, th- right? I think, if every, if itself, I, th- I think that United's best eleven because it's really easy to do that. Um, I mean, De Gea, Varane, Martinez, centre back, Luke Shaw, left back, uh, Dallo, right back, the midfield three picked itself. You know, Eriksson, Bruno. Casemiro, the front three, you're talking Rashford, Martial, Anthony probably would be United. Would you go Anthony ahead of Garnacho? Because for me, I'd go Garnacho. I think, I know I've been critical of Anthony from the minute I came on here and you thought I was being a bit harsh on him at the beginning. It wasn't that I was being harsh, I just don't know if he has what it takes. And we, we both kind of were going back and forward and I think maybe it will take him a bit of time to settle in to the Premier League. And I know it's a classic statement that people make about these signings all the time but I do genuinely think he needs time I mean it's a big well, change from Dutch time. League it's a, it's a big change from Dutch League but Garnacho has something different Garnacho's exciting Garnacho's um, a Anthony... brilliant player uh, he's a very very exciting young player uh, I would say the fact that I'm leaving out Tietan Sancho would be more well, of a yeah. concern than than anything else because uh, I would maybe even put Garnacho ahead of Sancho at the moment um, I think Garnacho Exceptional young player, young. Um, has we have to be fair to him. You know, consistency. He's going to be inconsistent as any eighteen-year-old will be, and he just turned eighteen. So magnificent young player. Um, you know, with Anthony. You know, here, here's the thing. Anthony didn't play for weeks before the World Cup, and he was a sub for Brazil. So he didn't play. Uh, I mean, he played bit parts in games. Comes back. 
So really, when you think about it, he hadn't played in two and a half months, right? Or at any consistent level. So inevitably, when you're a football player and you haven't played for two and a half months, you need a few games to get back into your rhythm. He should have scored. Uh, who did I play before? Wolves. Old Trafford. See again, I've forgotten. Um, I think they played before Wolves. You're supposed to know this stuff. Yeah. I know. My my head's chocolate at the moment. I have everything going on. I can't remember last week, mate. Um, yeah, let me see. But it's uh, Forest against Forest. She scored against Forest. Forest. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, yes. Forest. No, no doubt. No doubt. She scored against Forest. They didn't play well. But do like certain people focus on like De Gea is a perfect example of this. His distribution, his distribution, his distribution, and it causes you to overlook someone's strengths. There are very few football players that are perfect that don't have a weakness that you can focus on. Um, I think he started off really, really well. Wasn't able to keep up momentum, got injured. But for people to be making their minds about him already is absolutely ridiculous to me. Good, whether you're you're saying he's he's perfect for United or whether you're writing him off, it's a perfect example of what we saw under Casemiro. One or two bad games leads to people turning around and saying he's shit, which is ridiculous to me. How how long is he out for? Is there any idea of? Have we heard that yet? Because I didn't, I didn't hear anything. I mean, I do want to touch on Juan Bissaka as well because that's that's a massive. Like me and you talked here about two months ago when before we finished up before the World Cup and we were saying he's dead. Would get rid of him. Let's get another right back in. I think that again, that's testament to Ten Hag. Like you look at that player and he looks like a different guy altogether. Again, this oh. is another player that just looks and and he can rival Dallo for that starting right back spot. Here's the thing with Juan Bissaka, right? What we know, uh, he's a good defender, not great going forward. But this is, I think, the, what would concern me about him is the fact he hasn't really developed at United. But what I would say is, this is a United team that's the opposite of what we had last season. The opposite, what we had last season was a United team that was really easy to look bad in. But this is a United team that's really, it's set up to look good in. Because um, there are so many options ahead of Juan Bissaka, where if he's not great going forward, there's players ahead of him that that will compensate for that. In the, in the past, because United didn't play as a team, every weakness was amplified and it looked horrendous. I think also Ten Hag, in, you know, when we would see players last season get rotated, when they would come in, they were, it was turgid garbage, no matter who played. And now we see players coming in desperate to keep their place, knowing that Ten Hag makes quick decisions about players. Um, things that we've wanted to see United for a long, long time, that we've players that were getting played for months and months and months consistently poor. Now that doesn't happen anymore. And the response that you're getting from those players makes them better players because it forces them to be better. It forces them to be the best version of themselves. It forces them to be professional. There is no more hiding place for players that are that, that, that are coming in with the wrong attitude. As we've seen with Rashford. We've seen um, Sancho being sent away to work on himself physically and mentally, which I think is brilliant. Right? I think there's so many things about this that use, that is admirable that we haven't seen before that gives me encouragement that it's being built on solid footing. Let, let's just briefly talk about Maguire because is it a case of 
it's better off for Maguire to go elsewhere. Is yes, hundred percent. Is it benef- Is it beneficial for us to get rid of Maguire? Hundred percent. Because mm, I disagree with you at the minute because we need we need more help at centre back. Varane clearly isn't going to be fit every week. We know that. He's just he's always had some sort of issue. When well, he's, he's fit, not to be fit course. this season. To he has he has to be fair to him, but he still had a few games where he went out and we thought he was going to be out for a while before the World Cup as well, and he, he obviously turned it around a bit. But him and Martinez are obviously your starting two. Is it a case that? Yes, you get rid of Maguire and we have Casemiro and McTominay there as, as backup centre half for the moment. Should we be even talking like that? Well, here's the thing. Maguire may be fifth choice centre back. So when you're starting for fifth, England... Fifth, fifth so choice centre back. Luke Shaw's been starting at centre back. Yeah. England, right? I, I would start got, Luke Shaw. So then you've got Lindelof, which I would put in ahead of Maguire. So if Ferran isn't fit, what's the probability that Lindelof isn't going to be fit too? Very small. So it's not just about United, it's about Maguire. Maguire should be asking himself this question. You know, it went, when United against Burnley was sick, understood. But he didn't play against Forest either. And you're going, you feel like Ten Hag's made a decision about him. You know, you feel like Ten Hag has turned around. I think after Brantford, Brantford was the lowest moment I mean, I've seen some bad performances in United over the years, but Sixi here, I'll never forget. You know, I, I remember even under Moyes, Olympiacos away, which I'll never forget. There's been so many moments where you felt, you know, the, the six against, you know, the, the six against Spurs. You know, but how, how much would we get from Maguire realistically? Well, I mean, even it's, it's really at this point when you get new owners, it's really not. If you get twenty, thirty million for him, I think that would be. I, and I, I tell you what, I think in the right team. Maguire's well worth 20, 30 million. I think Maguire's worth 40 million, 50 million in the right team in today's well, market. What do we pay for him, Eddie? Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. You could, get, you could easily get 30, 40 million off a team, in my opinion. You get 30 million for Maguire, I think that's, that's good business. Right? And there's teams in the bottom half of the table that I think he would improve. You know, teams in the top half of the table, I don't think so. Right? I think one of the things that we're seeing, what we talked about with United before, is they're very reactive rather than proactive, but they're dominating games now, right? They're controlling games. Um, there's a fear factor coming back inside them where uh, teams are starting to fear playing against them. And but is this not where we need to strike when the iron's hot? Because no, I'm completely they, agree. I mean, they, they, they do. They, I, mean, it, I mean, with United, it's the problem's always been calm, is what happens next? They've got this position before. The issue's always been what happens next? I mean... When you look at the Thames United of getting the top four, finish second, it's always what happens next to cost them, right? By not sending the right players that they need. I mean, I rem- if you look at United's window this summer, it was basically identical to the window that they should have had in 2020. Instead of sending Van de Beek and Cavani and Palestri, types, those types of players, um, they didn't send the players that they should have sent. They should have sent a defensive midfielder. They should have sent a left mid- left-footed centre-back. They didn't. Um, those were two obvious players. They missed out in Jadon Sancho that summer. So the problem for United has always been what happens next. And this is always a part that concerns me. They need a striker in January badly. Right? Because we could be sitting three, four weeks from now um, having seen United lose a couple of games. We know that can happen. And, and United are still going to lose games between now and the end of the season. There's no doubt about that. Um, but what can't be 
Ingenieri can no longer cost themselves um, that progress because they don't execute properly. Um, if they have to sell a player to get a striker, then do that. Sell Dean Henderson to Forest now to get the money. I agree, and I mean, if if it if it takes us selling Maguire in January to get a striker and to get that money, absolutely, let's do it. And I think that's the point. Like, or a Langa. At, I would sell a Langa if they can only get a good offer. No, nah, I, I, I wouldn't sell him just yet. I, as I said, yeah, I would have loaned him out. I would have given him the Ajax in the summer. I think he'd be really good fit for Ajax, and I think he, he could come back and be a bit of a player. But again, I wouldn't get rid of him this soon. I think he's still young with age. Is a Langa 20? So I'm like a 20, 21. I, yeah, would, let, sure. I would let him go. Because I think he he could be a good player, could be a very. But is that going to be good enough for United? You see, the question for United isn't anymore. Is are they good? We know they're good. The question is, can they get to that next level? And when you see what Arsenal have done this season, it's not impossible. I mean, it's not, and, and it's not even impossible this season. I think I don't want to run before we can walk here. But where we're sitting right now, we're third, right? We're we're in the same points as Newcastle, but we've got a game in hand over them in third. Now, I'm not saying Newcastle are a competition. People will say they are a competition for top four, right? Arsenal are, what, nine points ahead of us at the moment? And they, they've played the same games as us. There's a, a definite chance Arsenal shit the bed soon. I'd say there's a, there's a good chance Arsenal do. Classic Arsenal. Well, I mean, we've seen this before with Arsenal. And to be honest, I've been thinking that for a while. Um, I know that Junior leads tonight, but I don't see that. I mean, it's possible, but I don't see that. I think that... Um, I would still be surprised if they won the league, but then you're looking at everyone else going, who else is showing the consistency to catch them? You know, because City don't look like... I mean, if you think about City, can you imagine if Ten Hag had Holland in the team? If Ten Hag had Holland in the team, United would be sitting on Arsenal's coattails or thereabouts. Would would be five points ahead of Arsenal if we mm. had Holland in that team. I mean, I think about the games you need to throw away, right? First of all, the derby would have finished differently. I look at that Newcastle game... Would have finished differently. I think Brighton would have finished differently. Maybe Brantford would have ended up the same. Right? I think United at home to Brighton that they lost the first game of the season would have been different. Um, but uh, you know that it's the one thing that United are badly missing. Even in games that they've won, where they've eked out a win, we are like, if they had a striker, this what? game would have been so different. If we fast forward to the summer, and we've, we've spoke about now the stopgaps, Joe Felix possibly, maybe, don't know, Giroud, possibly, maybe, don't know, but in the summer, who is the big-name strikers that we should be going after? Because you need someone similar to Haaland, and I know there's not that many out there at the moment. Well, there isn't any. I mean, there's just nobody of that consistency. <coughs> but I think when you look at what Ten Hag wants down the middle, they're big target men. And honestly, so, um, I know that, um, yeah, that we're still interested in Sesco, but when I asked him about this in October... November. I was before they announced that the football club was going to be up for sale. Um, they had said, "Look, the only way it would happen in January is as if you came out of the summer's budget." So, I never expected. Whenever, if you remember, about two weeks ago, there were linked with all these players: De Jong, Gakpo, and everything, and Joe Felix, and everything, and Enzo Fernandez, which was just insane to me. Um, and I, I'm looking at the Glazer takeover and I'm in two minds about whether this will result in spend or not. Because if they spend, uh, if they don't spend, I think that's more of an indication that nothing is really close. Because if they spend 30, 40 million on a striker, 
I mean, that's, I guess I've said before, it's around an hour for anyone buying a football club. And the banks will have no problems agreeing to that, knowing that someone's about to buy a football club and that that will get paid. But if they don't spend, they've got a bit of a problem because there was an Athletic article, um, and you and I have talked about this on the show before, there was an article in the Athletic yesterday um, that was saying that some of the interested parties could be easily tempted to let United bleed financially. United cannot afford to finish outside the top four if the football club is not being, it doesn't have serious offers on the table that meet the Glazer valuation. They're, they wouldn't be able to afford the hit that would come from Adidas. Um, that would, you know, the, the, the club with 300 million cash in the bank pre-COVID, now what, 24, 25? You know, the, the, the ability to pay these debts in it are basically a billion in debt, right, which is just truly unbelievable. The ability to service that debt when under the current regime is, is extremely concerning. That will not get serviced properly without a buyout. Um, and you know, United have been maxing that credit card out for a while. So I think if they do spend, that's more of an indication that something's close rather than not. If, if I asked you now, do you think that United will be sold mid-season or before the end of the season? What do you think? I think yes. I think. Do you think there's a possibility that it could happen in January? Not January. It doesn't happen that fast. But I think um, by April, March, April. I, I think you need to have legitimate offers on the table, legitimate interested parties. So, so for the listeners of the podcast, what do you know about the Qataris, and do you think that there's a, a good yeah, I possibility have to be very that they're the, about what I say on this? I know because you do. I'm not authorized yeah. to say everything on this. Uh, but obviously, you know, during this process, I speak to people that know what's going on. And um, I was told about this just before Christmas, uh, it was during the World Cup, actually, that um, Beckham and the Qataris were showing interest in United. Um, but they're not alone. You know, uh, I don't know about the geopolitics of that with owning PSG uh, and where, who exactly is talking to in Qatar. Uh but I'm trying to choose my words really carefully here. Um, there's, there's, there's obviously interest in, in United. Um, I, I, What's I Beckham's would, involvement? Well, I mean, obviously he knows the football club really, really well. Uh, he knows the people at the football club, so he's an intermediary. So um, from what I'm being told, he, he's acting as an intermediary. He is part of the individual. Mikhail Neville was involved too. Not with the Qataris, uh, but you know I want to be careful about what I'm saying here. I'm like I'm like Pierce Morgan here, but but is it is it private investment or is it state owned? I don't know the source of money, and that's what I'm saying. I don't know who uh, who's fronting the bid from Qatar uh, or fronting that interest. I don't know. Uh, I would imagine it's coming from the ruling class. It's hard to imagine that there's. A number of people running about with that type of money. And but do you think this is a good move for United? I think it's a good move for United if, it's, if the source of the money comes from people that are entirely ethical. You know, um, and if they're unethical, would you not support that then? Here's the thing: I'm a hypocrite, right? A flagrant hypocrite. Um, 
I'm a United fan and I found it very difficult to divorce myself from that based on my own ethics. It wouldn't be something that would sit well with me and uh, it's very sad that we live in a world where we it's really difficult to have a reasonable expectation that the football club will be owned by ethical individuals because of the price. Um, and there's degrees of... Uh, not everyone... I know it's people employ what about it. What about this? What about that? And some of it's legit. Uh, but there are varying degrees of... Um, uh, uh, of pernicious owners uh, who uh, based on what they they're based on their ethics some are worse than others um, if you ask me what I would like to see ideally I'd like to see Jim Ratcliffe on the football club because I think could this be a case though that before you get on to Jim Ratcliffe that this is one of those situations where the grass isn't always greener on the other side and whilst for fans looking from the outside right now of course we want the Glazers out of course that's the main aim but once they get out could this ever be worse, or from an ethical standpoint, do you think it'll just be worse? I don't think it'll be worse from a term in terms of what it means for Manchester United, in terms of their ability to compete, and in terms of how the football club gets run and all that. There, I mean, I don't think it would be worse that way. Um, but obviously, they're worse individuals. I mean, yeah, and but does that then have a knock-on effect on our commercial, our commercial ability in terms of Manchester United? No, being but, but, alongside but, human rights abuse, sports watching, all these things. Mm-mm. Um, I mean, it should, but it won't, because all these major brands. I mean, they're in bed with these people anyway. I mean, take a look at the World Cup. Did it affect the World Cup? Did you watch the World Cup by the way? We I had did. this this debate. So no, I watched it. You are a flagrant hypocrite. But here's like the thing. That. But here's the thing, right? At least you were honest. Yes, no, I'm a hypocrite, there's no doubt, but I'm not profiting off it, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not using it for personal gain, right? And and this is the dilemma that no football fans should have to face. Do I continue to support my football club, despite the fact that it's owned by people I despise? Um, it's a difficult divorce, and it's up to each individual to decide that for themselves. When I Is there a chance Jim Ratcliffe comes, though? Well, when you, I support United, I don't support the owners. Right? When I, and one of the things that I've never understood about City fans or anyone else is they can never divorce themselves from that. They don't understand the difference between criticising the club and criticising the owners. United fans have always criticised their owners. City fans can't do that, and I don't know why. I don't know why they can't, or, or other football clubs that are owned by despots who can't turn around and say, the owners are not the football club. When United winning trophies, I'm not celebrating at the Glazers or winning, or winning, or winning a cash windfall. You know, I will celebrate their downfall, but never their success, because I'll never forgive what they've done to the football club. So, um, but, you know, I'm a human being, I'm probably wrong about everything. You know, bad reasoning, bad information, bad knowledge, bad everything. So, have the humility to accept it, um, and I'm not telling anyone else how they should feel. I'm just saying that this is my view, that I really wish it would be owned by someone like Jim Ratcliffe. I don't see Jim Ratcliffe happening because I just think the price is going to get too ridiculous. I mean, the appraisal value of United versus what the Glazers are asking is ridiculous. And they are finding it difficult because of how parsimonious they have been, or now that's got, they're paying a price for that when in, in how they're trying to sell a football club because the billion debt, then you're talking about a stadium, which is a billion and a half, right? Then what it's going to take to compete on the field. Then what it's going to take to buy the football club. I'm going to tell you this about Qataris and about Saudis and everything. They're not idiots. 
They're not just going to hand Westerners a bunch of money because they think they're easy, you know. I so it won't be, uh, you know. I know what 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 just happened with Ronaldo is is totally insane in the numbers, and I don't agree with a lot of the criticism that's come his way. By the way, um, but um, I I I remember speaking to Woodward about Di Maria going to PSG, and one of the things that he had said to me was how difficult negotiations were in that whole transaction because. Uh, and I was under the impression that the Qataris would just throw money in it for, for Di Maria, and it's absolutely not. It was extremely difficult negotiations. Um, they're not what you think. They're not people that just throw money about because they can't. So I would say that uh, United will get sold uh, by the end of the first quarter. Look, the Glazers have been trying to raise money, raise investment for years. They wanted to buy out their, they wanted to buy out the uh, Joel and Avi. Joel and Avram Glazer wanted to buy out the family for a year. That's why they met with Apollo. Uh, this is in the Athletic article as well uh, to try to raise the money to buy them out. Um, so the the, the 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 there's no prospect of them getting investment without a viewed full potential full ownership of the football club. I don't, I, that won't happen. For a prospective owner, is is the priority the stadium, or is the priority the on the pitch? No, first on the pitch. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, there's loads of great football clubs around the world that play. Realistically, though, realistically though, if we look at this team, it doesn't really need all that much investment. We're not talking about when City it first happened and you have to fire all this money into the team because that that isn't needed at the moment. Like, I mean, yes, we need a good striker. We probably need one or two more squad players. Other than that, there should be a real focus on the stadium. The stadium needs to be sorted. Yeah, there's no question, but um, Manchester United, first and foremost, are a football team. And there's been loads of times, loads of teams have played in shithole stadiums. I mean, take a look at Spurs. I mean, you Arsenal. Arsenal played in this beautiful Emirates stadium that was supposed to be, once they got into the Emirates, this was going to provide them with the resources to compete. Um, well, it never happened. And um, the Arsenal fans have been notoriously unhappy sitting in these comfortable seats. So first and foremost, um, your responsibilities to the football team. Um, but good owners invest in infrastructure because they have a legitimate intent to leave something behind that's better than what they inherited. Glazers are not doing that. They're not leaving something behind in better shape than what they inherited, the opposite. So I do think that that is a very important aspect and they'd have to upgrade their facilities um, for, for commercial reasons. Old Trafford has to be able to compete with, for example, the Etihad, um, not just for football reasons, for concert reasons and everything else. There's no doubt about that. So um, I think whoever does that, it's obviously something that's going to have to be addressed. The, the stadium needs a lot of investment. So going back to January, do you think we'll make any signings? Yeah, I think United will still bring in a striker. Um, on I loan? On loan? Yeah, I don't think it'll be anything. I don't think it'll be anything that... I mean, Ten Hag has turned around and said, whoever comes in has to be someone that is um, making an impact on the first team. It can't be just someone that to make up the numbers. That makes it a bit difficult for United because there aren't many strikers about that are available that are capable of coming in and being making a big improvement on what they have. Um, but 
I think the fact that he, he what's difficult for Nader, I think Nader would prefer that he wasn't coming out saying that in the media. But Ten Hag now, as we've seen with Ronaldo, has the ear of United fans. It's his football club now. And there's no leverage to leak behind his back, like they did with Ranić and others, to undermine him. Because, um, you know, they they have to support everything that he says because he's been right about everything. Uh, I just don't think United have the ability anymore. Um, and I said this in the summer, that they don't have the money to compete anymore with, with the top teams. That's evident. Um, and I think that the Glazers won't really care about the consequences if they feel like the club's going to be sold in the near future. But if it's but but that's not a certainty. You know, there's still an awful lot needs to happen for you to be sold. Just being the club up for sale is one part of it. Now the other part comes with getting legitimate offers to meet your valuation. So I see, I they see have to they, they can't ignore that. I see a comment there saying like a Henrik Larson type saying and that is exactly what we need. Remember when Larson came in, like honestly unbelievable. That's the type of signing that we do need short term and then something bigger in the summer. And I agree with Steve Doyle where he says midfield we need a box to box player, definitely. Right back, hundred percent we need another right back. I think Wan Bissaka ultimately probably will leave um within the next year, I'd say. I'd say probably in the summer he'll leave. And yeah, we're gonna need another goalkeeper and, and obviously if Maguire leaves we'll need a centre back. So I agree with that as well to be fair. No, completely agree. Um and I think um you know United this is partly what I'm talking about when you know, yes, United might only need a striker right now, but come the summer it won't just be a striker. This the squad and what it needs is fluid, so you constantly need to invest. United don't have a lot of depth. They need to bring in a lot more depth, in my opinion. They need to bring in three or four younger players that are capable of playing in the first team, like a Julian Alvarez, like a Fofana that was just bought for, by, by Chelsea. Players that are capable of coming in and making a, a, an impact. I wouldn't recall Ahmad. I would leave him at Sunderland because I think he's in a good place and uh, United don't really have a need in the positions that he plays. So I would leave him where he is. And I also don't think he's ready for the Premier League yet, to be perfectly honest. It's all well and good doing it there, but the Premier League is a different level altogether. Well, the question is, would he will he develop more six months play every week for Sunderland? Or would he develop more in the next six months being a bit part player if he needed? And I think it, it's better to leave him where he is. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, I think, and it's good to see him finally find in that rhythm and form. And this reminds me a bit of James Garner. If you get the wrong loan, you know, can make you look a bad player. Can almost cost you your career. Once James Garner left Swansea, went to Forest. You know, he showed that he was a very, very capable player. He's in a terrible football club right now, of course. But, but I um, think it'd be good to see Garnacho maybe I don't know for a while because again, is he developing at the right level, being a bit part player at United? Because he's not going to start every week. He's not going to come on every week. Would it be good to see him? Enough enough games right Palestri. Palestri is another one. Palestri is baffling to me. Um, you know, this is a kid that's good enough to play in the World Cup for Uruguay, but clearly Ten Hag doesn't rate him, or he would be... Well, no one has really rated him, to be honest. Any manager we've had haven't rated him. Well, he was recommended by Diego Forlan to United, um, and they liked him. Um, I, I think it hasn't had trim. I mean, we, we just talked about getting the right loan, how important that is for a young player's development. He needs to get regular football, maybe a championship football club, where one of two things happens, he either shows the ability that someone else would send him, 
or issues of ability, the forces as well in the United Kingdom. But you said something earlier, which I think is really important. Ten Hag now managing the under 23s. So um, there'll be no players recommended to Ten Hag. He will be he will be able to make that evaluation himself. Um, and I think for those younger players that are, if Palestri's at, at playing for the under 23s, you can legitimately impress in that team and force you into the first team whenever you've got Ten Hag managing it. You're not relying on other people saying, this kid's doing well, take a look at him, this kid's doing well, take a look at him. I think um, for your, if you're a player at United, you can't ask for a better atmosphere than what you're getting right now and a better manager that will give you a chance. Um, so I think uh, for Palestri and a number of players, this really is the, the, the right of excuses. We heard this before, Gary Neville say that when Solskjaer came in, but this really is true. They are completely out of excuses. And I think the players that infested the place last season, some, some are gone and some will be gone. Uh, I honestly think that virus that spread through United last season where the atmosphere inside the football club was, was horrible. Players were fighting with each other, staff were fighting with each other. I, I still think that's affected Jadon Sancho. Um, Definitely. But, um, I think another I'm one, sorry, before before we come off the loans is Ethan Galbraith out on the road at Salford, who mm-hmm. is absolutely ripping it up every week. I mean, the kid's been playing right back, holding midfield in the hole, and he is nine ten performance every single week and that's a player that I'd like to see back at United under Ten Hag in the twenty threes to see if he can break his way in. Very possible. Um Ethan Lord as well. So very, Ethan very Lord possible too, yeah. if one of those young young kids could come back. Um I wanted to also take a look at these games coming up because obviously when when you look at United's Christmas festive period, these were games they should win. Now we've had we've been here before where they should win and they don't win games. Uh, I feel that United are in a much better position with City at Old Trafford than what they were when they played City away. Like I felt that game came a bit too soon for them. Um, I can't remember the last time I've gone into a derby with that much confidence. I, I feel exactly the same. I mean, if, if we were going up against City away from home, I would say mm, there's a possibility, you know, I'd be happy with a draw. I 100% want us to win. I expect us to win. The football we're playing at the minute is deserving of us to go out and get three points against City at home. And I haven't felt like that for a long time as a United fan. Well, that's the next league game. So they've, they've Everton and Charlton in the FA Cup. With Everton on Friday. Everton in the FA Cup and then Charlton in the League Cup. I expect they will win both those games. I mean, they will be flying by the time they get to Man City. Um, United could easily be sitting there eight games in since the World Cup. No goals conceded. That's unbelievable. But that that's a tough back-to-back because you've got City at home and then you've Arsenal away. And I mean, if you come out of that with four or six points, we're in a very, very good position. Yeah, I think um, if United can take four points from City and Arsenal away, um, I would strongly fancy them to finish top four. I still think I think they will finish top four. I'm, I, I'm confident we'll finish top three, to be honest. Well, when I look at the United, when I look at all the teams I've seen this season... Um, I, I, outside of Arsenal, I think United are as good as anybody. I mean, in terms yeah. of their form, maybe not in terms of depth. I mean, since since the world, since uh, the Brentford game, uh, Ten Hag's picked up more points than Guardiola. That's crazy statistic. And to be honest, I wouldn't have known that if you hadn't said. And that's something that, that isn't talked about enough because that's unbelievable where we're at and where we've came from. Just a point I want to make before uh, I forget. You mentioned the Charlton game there. 
I have two tickets for anyone listening and I want to give it to someone that's deserving of it for free. So if you know someone who maybe wouldn't normally have a chance to get their game, message me or Phil on uh, Twitter and I'll set it up to get them two tickets to their game because I want to give it to someone that maybe wouldn't normally have a chance to go on and forget if I didn't say so. Uh, well done and scalping a few stolen tickets, mate. Absolutely. A few stolen tickets, get get rid of them, perfect. Hopefully you never listen to them. If a real owner, if a real owner contacts you, <laughs> Calm didn't give them to you. Um, anyway, uh, with, with regards to um, the Arsenal game, what do you expect from it? What do I expect from us against Arsenal? I think that game sets a precedent for the rest of the season. I think it's all about how Ten Hag lines up against Arsenal because Arsenal have the ability to rip us to shreds, but at the same time we have the ability to rip Arsenal to shreds. So it's whoever strikes first. I, honestly, I don't know. I, I could see that game being a high-scoring draw. And I hope I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully we, we steal that and get three points, but that's a very tough game. That's much tougher than the City game, in my opinion. Well, you need to have City at home. And I think that that game is going to be crucial to what happens in the Arsenal game. If you need to get beat at home against Man City, it's going to heavily affect their confidence. That there are still doubts about whether they're capable of winning the league, whether they can still beat the top teams. If they beat City at Old Trafford and, and say you need to beat them you know, in the way they beat Liverpool or the way they beat Arsenal, um, I would fancy them to go to Arsenal and get some. I would love to say that. I think like this is the most confident I've been going into games. I said this to you before the break. There was points at last season I was dreading watching games. Dreading United coming on next. Couldn't wait for international breaks. It's completely different now. Stat there. Um, from Larry Healy. Here's a stat. 25 games, no native managers, more wins since Apple's. That's unbelievable. Um, wow. I think you also have to accept, you have to um, scale that with what he came in and inherited. You know, and how bargained were, and and what he's how he's reacted to every setback, the solution to every problem has been correct. You know, I think that's amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, uh, what's back for coming up? Maguire looked great tonight. Yes, he did. Let me get some of your comments against. Uh, well, he looked okay tonight. I must say, uh, against uh, both Arsenal and City, we didn't have Casemiro. That's a good point. Yes, um, I have to say. You know, as much as De Bruyne is a genius, no question about it. Um, Casemiro is someone that doesn't get enough credit for me. Doesn't get lauded in the same way De Bruyne would. Um, he, honestly, probably the best midfielder I've seen at United, maybe since Keane and Robson. Casemiro. Mm. You know, Scholes yeah. was 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 brilliant. Beckham, you know, he's a better midfielder than Beckham. Scholes, to me, is a different type of player, right? But Casemiro, I look at him and go, how many midfielders would I swap him for? And I know I've just done what I criticise myself for, about everything has to be the best ever. But it, his impact on transforming United is almost Cantona-esque. Really is. I mean, he's just been phenomenal since he came in. I, I can't remember a bad game. You referenced the Everton one before that. Can't see it. Well, he just. I don't, even he, think, I don't even think he had an average game. He, he looked good. He was only just in the set. I think that was his first. He, he'd come on as a sub in his first game. Uh, was it Leicester away, I think? I, I can't remember. 
wasn't great. Um, which Leicester understandable. Understandable. Um, and then, of course, first game was Everton, where he started. Um, and he, he had it in a different game. He, I think he set up one of the goals, but he, you know, he gave a ball away quite a bit. After that, he's been perfect. But I remember after that Everton game, people criticising him, saying that he wasn't good enough and all that. Unbelievable. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so much to be positive about right now. and uh, Very, very encouraging where United are at. Hopefully they get a striker in before the end of the window. Delighted to be back recording this 2023. I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for supporting the podcast throughout the year. Uh, we'll be bringing you more information and news as we get it. Uh, we'll be back again next week. And I want to say a big thanks to you, Colin, for sticking with me throughout the year, mate. Much appreciated. Yes, mate. Thanks, William. Back Cheers again soon, people. Appreciate Cheers, it. folks. See ya. Bye. See you, mate. See you, mate.